professional photography. All that and good it's, stuff. it's about keeping the money in the community. So I never thought I owned Canna MN. I thought I was a steward of the domain and the, I, I was in, I was influential in getting the Instagram going from day one. Uh, but I always wanted it to represent the community and Canna connect is a bit more of a business model than Canna MN ever was for me. That said, utilizing the sponsorship dollars appropriately. So they do feedback into the community and what comes out of the, the buy from a mm -hmm. media buying perspective should support the consumers. Yeah. So there's sort of, there's sort of the secret sauce is like sponsors, vendors, consumers, and making sure that there is real uh, value being passed up and down that, that cycle of three, three different stakeholders. Yeah. Well, Steve, why don't you remind uh, our listeners who you are? You've been on the show in the past. Yeah. Back for the very first time out of back Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> we smoking legal. Hell yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the name is Steve or Steven. I try to go by Steven, but honestly I go by both and people that know me call me Steve, but trying to introduce myself professionally because that's what I'm involved with here is the professional legal cannabis market in Minnesota. And the last time I talked to Cole at Chillinoise, I was talking about all these minor cannabinoids, which have more or less been muted due to the new legalization in Minnesota. We've taken like a very open stance on hemp derived Delta nine but we've closed off what Minnesota used to be passing through the stores and the products, which for now let's just call minor cannabinoids. And so, yeah, so my story kind of to get you up to date, um, I was working in client services as a marketing consultant up until June of 2023. I came back, I'm recently engaged and right. I just just bought a house, so I'm trying to get into that phase of my life. And I come home and I get let go by the, the client that I was working for. I had to like take a moment and process how much that was going to change my life. And, you know, it was right before my first mortgage payment. So it was like an extremely scary Shit. situation. Uh and so from that moment on, I've been full-time working on Canna Connect and we've thrown six events this summer and we have another 10 planned between now and the end of the year. Um, I, I've been doing events in Minnesota since 2019. I've been, I've had my hand in some form of events since 2019 and I've probably been doing events by myself since 2020 and a big part of that is I, I quit my job during the pandemic. So basically from the pandemic till this June, I was working as a marketing consultant, advising, trying to get hired, having retainer type clients with website, social media marketing. I learned a lot 
And now as Minnesota becomes this legal rec market, you're seeing all these consultants getting into the marketplace while I'm rearranging what I'm doing. I'm looking at, looking at vendor relations and really bringing vendors together and creating that consumer brand sponsor activity. So we've, we've sort of started to create a, a new marketplace through these Canna Connect events. Uh, yeah, uh, I come from Plymouth, Minnesota. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Canna Connect. Instagram has been popping, but I'm working on uh, more things. I just dropped a newsletter for the first time this year. So I appreciate the intro. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I was about to pull up the uh, Instagram page uh, so that people can see the visual. Could you spell it out for people that are listening right now and want to look you up on social media? C-A-N-N-A-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-M-N. We're not the first Canna Connect, uh, but we're trying to be Canna Connect M-N. Yeah. And for folks that are watching... I'm displaying a visual of their Instagram page. You can follow them on sounds like all social media, but here's their Instagram page. So that's that. Well, you know, to get into today, I know you've got some videos queued up. I've got a video queued up. I thought it'd be cool to peel back the page and start where we left off, which is that cannabis was illegal in the state of Minnesota. And I thought it would be cool to uh, talk about what you brought up, minor cannabinoids, and maybe how the market functioned before legalization. And then I think it'd be cool to lead up to when you guys apparently accidentally legalized edibles. That's the headlines I was reading. And then I think it would be cool to talk about the actual legalization of cannabis in Minnesota. Does that sound like a good plan for our show today? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I made sure to get my sources you know, figured out this morning because I do want to tell the true story and the actual um, nuts and bolts of it because we need to destigmify politics, you know, as much as possible. I mean, narratives and politics are what's driving our country bonkers, you know. So I'm I'm here to I'm here to speak the truth, but I also want to play into kind of, you know. Republicans didn't know what they were doing when they legalized cannabis in Minnesota. Whoops, I was muted. I'm sorry. Like I say, uh, let's start where where we left off. I think that when we when we left off, Minnesota was the cannabis market in Minnesota was basically functioning off the farm bill. Is that fair to say? We had a pilot program through the University of Minnesota. And when that program was going on, there were scientists going out trying to look for feral hemp. And they were required by the university due to the strict connection to the federal funding for universities. They were required by the university to have a bank safe, from what I understand, which is a massively heavy safe in the back of a pickup truck in case they came across feral hemp plants to quarantine these feral hemp plants. And this was research being done by the university, but that's the level of 
bureaucracy and fear that was involved in the beginning. So let's say in the last 10 years, within the last 10 years. Yeah, it sounds like you guys were, they were treating it like nuclear material. <laughs> and and one of the guys who I do events with was involved in that, in those hunts. Uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Clement Dabney. He has a brand in Minnesota called Doc Dabs. And he's an applicant for the Office of Cannabis Management position. And he's made it to the final rounds of interviews. Gotcha. So, so if you could tell me like how that market worked, because that market still exists in Illinois, even though we have legal cannabis, you can still buy Delta A and, and CBD and uh, THCA bought some products mm. the other day. These are all technically hemp. Is that how Minnesota was functioning for a while before you accidentally legalized it? That's what you're talking about. For yes. sure. For sure. Point okay. three, it was 2020 was to me around the time that Delta eight was starting to reach its full form where people were people that had beef with it in 2019 at the end of 2019 by 2020, I think it was keeping CBD shops in business in Minnesota. And so I think between 2020 and 2022, we saw more experimentation with THCP, THCV, Delta 10, um, which inherently aren't bad cannabinoids, but I think it's how you get them isolated that causes the worry and also the, the amount or the regulatory dose. Um, so I think what scares people is like a 250 milligram Delta-8 gummy. And I think those products were readily available to certain clientele in Minnesota. And that's what caused a lot of fear within the minor cannabinoid market was Delta-8 gummies, people taking 50 milligram pieces taking a couple of them, getting them at a unregulated or just like an open shop, you know, yeah. them getting in the hands of 18 year olds is really, really the truth of it. So, uh, yeah, I remember like a kid from Iowa came up to Minnesota, got his hands on Delta eight gummies. And that's what the law attempted to change. And it has, was he under eight twenty one? Is that what you're saying? The kid from Iowa under 21. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Isn't that funny how hemp was seen as like, I think when I first got into the hemp industry, it was kind of known that hemp was unregulated. So you didn't have to be a certain <laughs> age to buy it. Right. Yeah. That's technically how it is in Illinois right now. Like this store that I got it from, they ID you in the, the front, but they're not required to. They're just doing that to be like nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? They label their products. They're not required to. Um, Shout out to them. Shout out to them. Yeah, just straight up, straight shout out to them. But but yeah, the to your point in in the most recent legislative session, a lot of people were panicking about kids. There's this one story in Chicago where a few kids got some Delta A edibles from a smoke shop. They didn't ID them; they were underage, and the headline was "Kids poisoned by you know Delta A." Well. They weren't poisoned. They got too high. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. Um, but uh, but anyways, I don't mean to get into that. It's just funny to hear that you had similar things going on back then, you know. 
Well, let me tell, let's jump into 2021. Sure. There started to be cease and desist by the Department of Agriculture to Indeed Brewing Company and Bent Paddle Brewing Company. So one in Minneapolis, one in Duluth. Reputable beer companies that were producing CBD water. Mind you, it's CBD. Oh, right. It's That's not crazy. a by weight. It's not a by weight issue, right? Those cans are heavy. Right. Um, and so there was cause for concern from these people, these companies, and the supply chain that accompanies these companies. And so they started to get into the lobbying to figure out how can I open this market up so that I can keep making CBD water. 2021, there was no, there was very little optimism that cannabis would be legal within a year from now or within two years from now. Like what really happened later on was the, the Senate flipped blue and the House maintained their majority and the governor did not change. So the governor won their election as well. Okay, so back when this happened, when CBD was getting cease and desisted, mind you, you could bring in CBD from Wisconsin and those companies weren't getting any CBD uh, cease and desist. So the cease and desist killed the water soluble market. And that was the path to revenue for some of these manufacturers. As you've seen in Minnesota, if you've been here, cannabis beverages are a massive play. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never been like this ever here before. So breweries pre-pandemic are getting shut down for CBD water. Fast forward, it was up until this, this last June, a, a company called Lupulin was making this giant beer and it had 50 milligrams of THC in it. It's not a beer. It's a right. cannabis beverage. Yeah. But I, I kind of call them beer sometimes because they look like beer. They're made by breweries. Right. Um, they're evolving more into soda. Um, so anyway, anyway, if we want to get a little bit deeper into this, it's like they had to move some they had to move some pieces out of the way politically to get to a point where they would have enough votes to pass this law. And the law essentially shored up Delta 9 as the cannabinoid, the safe cannabinoid. And Delta 8 and all the scary stuff, let's just call the minor cannabinoid stuff scary stuff. They sliced it. And this was, this was, this was, multiple people working on this play but they sliced it in a way where they said hey legislature politicians we're gonna put the scary stuff at such a low cap that no one's gonna use it and the only one we're gonna allow is cbd and thc and the republicans said yes there was one one person in particular michelle benson she said yes she had enough sway and due to relationships and, you know, bipartisan gets brought up a lot, but due to industry ties, they were able to get a very important vote 
to say yes. And they kept enough of the pieces out of the out of the way where they could just have a clear runway to get that through. And and you know what? Not for nothing, for a lot of people in this industry, this is their first time observing and participating in a full session to understand everything that goes into changing policy. So I'm willing to be open with you about this because we don't understand politics and God. But I'm lucky to be learning about politics through cannabis. Yes. I think it's the gateway drug to politics. You know? Maybe I, yeah, I just moved to St. Paul. I'm <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting closer to Capitol Hill. Yeah. I mean it's yeah, I, I've I've learned so much about the political process through cannabis. So I don't mean I wanted to let you to continue that, though. I mean, it's just crazy. It's cool to hear it from another perspective, just organically. It's for me, but it's also for so many others that put a lot of time into change. A lot of people put in time locally through the Minnesota is ready campaign. And it's been a campaign since I joined the camp, the hemp industry. So Minnesota is ready was the slogan and it was the group. And it eventually became a, a coalition where they brought in uh, they brought in normal Republicans against marijuana prohibition, sensible change, Minnesota. And they were able to rally activists, activists, the Great Rise, which is a nonprofit that's been focused on expungement this year, which we have. We have a lot of good things through Minnesota is Ready, as well as Republicans against marijuana prohibition and private interests who just wanted to make CBD water. <laughs> just wanted to put some CBD in some water. And I'm going to drop an exclusive right now. Yeah, We are hosting Cannabis Trivia on October 21st at Bent Paddle Brewing in Duluth. Hell yeah. And so one of the plays or one of the initiatives that I have is to increase cannabis tourism to Minnesota. And I'm really interested in the hospitality side of the market. So if you want to come to Canna Connect 3, that's October 29th. That's a week after we're going to be in Duluth. And you can stay right across the street from where the venue is. There's a hotel called the Moxie Uptown. We're bringing Uptown back. Uptown Minneapolis got hit super hard during the pandemic. Um, but this place that we throw these events at is great. Uh, there's a lot of good vibes, a lot of plants. I got a little plant right here, little node. <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, it's it was a group effort, and Minnesota is ready played a large role, uh, but also there was bipartisanship and just good business at play. Like, why should CBD water be legal when, when you can use all these other products? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's crazy to hear that evolution. I didn't realize 
I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. If they had a business and they were doing well, and then they got the rug basically got pulled out from under them, it makes more sense why it sounds like you got to where you were. I wondered, like, why drinks? What? How did they sneak through the drinks? You know, dude, these drinks are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I I follow some people from Illinois that just uh, went to Minnesota, and they're showing like a. You know, like a fridge full of drinks, like so much to select from. Fuck, a company from Minnesota just sent me some through the mail. I, I'm pretty sure that's legal to do if it's not a, well, there we go. But no, I mean, it is legal because it's hemp. Bar it's point three. I was going to say it's 0.3% THC. Um, So yeah, it's kind of interesting that, that, you know, that's how it works. So the farm bill was under 2018, right? So that was right. So I think... And I think that's another example, by the way, of Republicans not understanding the impact of what they were doing. And I'm fine with it in this case. Like Trump signed that into law. And I think if he knew what it, it, it the implications, also Mitch McConnell, who's been freezing right, lately, uh, have you seen? It's like two videos now where he just free two. Uh, like the first one, I was like, okay. But there was a new the one. First one. There was a new one like yesterday where he just froze up. Somebody asked him, are you going to run for reelection? And he's just like, loading loading anyways though um i i don't it, he did hold up a hemp pen when he signed it but i really think that if you asked mitch mcconnell or donald trump hey did you know that it's gonna make uh, products like these legal i think they would have been like what <laughs> you know no chance yeah i mean those guys and i mean i feel bad like the kentucky hemp market was billed as like going to be a, a large player and I don't even know how well the Kentucky hemp market is doing anymore. I know a couple of companies went out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, I mean, if if I would have, if I ran my business like Donald Trump, I would have I would have filed for bankruptcy with my hemp clothing company because, like, when I was talking to you, I was doing hemp clothing, and um, I'm I'm going to bring it back. In fact, I'm going to bring it back for Canon Connect Three. We're going to have merchandise that's made from hemp, just like this shirt, just like this hat, just like the fucking socks I got on, you know, like hemp clothing is the best and hemp things are the best, but this country is not built on hemp, not in our era, not in our grand, not in our grandparents or, or since. And so, you know, the hemp industry was so misunderstood and so, I mean, a lot of farmers were sold a lot of bad ideas and you and I can relate to that because you're, you're more in Southern Illinois and Southern Minnesota is uh, not super thrilled with the hemp industry as far as what they were told versus what like Instagram versus reality, as I like to say. Uh, Now cannabis can save that cannabis can correct that. And so what you're seeing now in Minnesota is what was set up as a Minnesota hemp cooperative is now replacing that hemp name with cannabis so that it's inclusive of the entire plant, which makes sense. You have, you have to move where the consumer is at. Like you can't, anyone who's stuck in the hemp world is doing stuff completely different than beverages. Beverages have a full spectrum Delta nine component to them almost always now. I mean, if you were here five minutes from here, there's a shop called 
I'm not going to mention their name. They sell a hundred plus beverages and they sell a hundred plus gummies. And wow. so I'm, I'm, I'm calling this model pre wreck because technically hear me out, Iowa, South Dakota, if they wanted to, couldn't they do what Minnesota is doing based on the farm bill? That's the point I've been trying to make here. Uh, and that's actually the person that joined me. His name's Glenn. He has a company in Minnesota, like the cans, they say Minnesota on them. But he was very open about the fact that you can purchase them in Illinois. And it's just like, so to your question, I've been wondering myself, why are people, why are more people not doing this? So it's kind of why I'm having these conversations. I'm hoping people will get the hint like, hey, gas stations, you can carry these beverages like by the farm bill. It's legal. Sorry, though. Uh, you were you do, were asking, do why that. don't people do it at do Iowa? That. You were invent saying that, invent that market, invent right. that market, because I think it exists. That's what I would say to people is I think it exists. I talk to retailers in Minnesota. And they tell me that it's not who you think it is that's coming in and opening up the cooler. Six of them. Oh, they're not cheap. Yeah, they are not. They're not cheap. No, they're they they sell for over six dollars at restaurants. They sell for twelve. Damn. Twelve. Actually, I'll be honest. I don't I don't have to round the numbers with you. Like I was at a restaurant last night. The Five milligram version was nine and the 10 milligram version was $13. Jesus Christ. I'd have to drink like fucking 30 of those to feel anything. And I know I'm not, I'm no, I'm abnormal. I'm a, I'm what you call a problem pot smoker. (laughs) You know, like I've got issues. (laughs) I'm joking. The only issue is that there's not enough weed. Um, But, but yeah. Have you heard, have you heard about Oklahoma? Oh, I hear about it all the time. They say it's a people in Illinois say it's a failure. But what do you, what did what were you going to ask me about? I'll tell you this, because this is interesting, right? Like the same company in Minnesota that's making a five milligram Delta Nine sipper can, yeah, can reformulate their product ship it across state lines, utilize distri- utilize a distributor because it's a hemp-derived product, and they can make a 200-milligram beverage in a can. Yes. And so there are completely different markets within this pre-reg market. So what works in Minnesota works in Oklahoma through some hoops, but they are 20 to 40 times more potent 20 to 40 times more potent. Um, so work that backwards. That is the range that you can feasibly sell to. The, the average human, the average human who's willing to use cannabis will use it between five milligrams and 200 milligrams per can. Mm-hmm. And if every state and every business knew that there's so much more room to play in the margins with cannabis beverages, regardless of the state status, unless you've outlawed hemp. Right. And to your point, um, 
So a 12 ounce can of soda has 340,194 milligrams in it. So if you put it, I might be doing my math wrong. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But if you put 200 milligrams in it, I'm just, I'll show you my calculation here. It's actually, you could still put in more if you wanted to. Uh, if I'm doing the math right, because that's only point oh 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 five nine. Maybe I'm doing the math wrong, but it's it's still under point three. Is my point? That's my point. Is that like well, you say that could be? No, you can put twenty grams of sugar in the product. Grams. Wow. Okay. Well, then that's starting to make some. Yeah. So if you think of substituting that with THC, yeah, you could make a drink that would just be ridiculous. And look, look, I was actually talking to my brother about this the other day because he was like, why would you want to drink that strong? And I'm like, why do people buy vodka? You don't drink it all. You you mix it into a drink, right? That'd be cool. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I said this on camera last week. There's a company, Superior Molecular. They produce this nano emulsified. It's almost like an eyedropper yeah yeah and it's dialed in so it's like one milligram per drop and they do thc as well as thc cbd or cbd thc one-to-ones and then they recaps so it's as simple as having some eye some eyedropper in your pocket and then you dose yourself now there's no reason why in a oklahoma world they couldn't make those drops 10 milligrams per drop right and so there's another thing that we have to talk about which is home grow we're the 11th state in Minnesota, in the country to get home grow so home grow is going to blow up and home consumption continues 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 to grow so yeah. the dosing the custom dosing i think minnesota just has a extremely educated marketplace because we've seen so many cannabinoids come through the shops and now we're sort of in this holding where like for the next year year and a half we're going to have cbd thc cbd thc now you can still order stuff from wisconsin or las vegas and get those are the only two cannabinoids that are legal is that what you're saying there's there's cbg as well you can use up to like 10 milligrams in a per serving or in a can i think it's in a can 10 milligrams but it's cbn is capped cbg is capped um okay so we're basically (laughs) just just playing within the the basics for a little while as we as we get our rec program up and running yeah that seems silly but i want to save that for a second i'll I'll save that because you've brought up the minor cannabinoids a few times and i want to have like a conversation about that but I feel like you just accidentally tiptoed into today with your homegrown stuff. Is there any more with the uh, beverages? Like, can you tell me a little bit more about like, I'm just curious, like you're, we you were boots on the ground. So on the lead up where you kind of like, guys, this is going to fucking happen. Like, yeah, like well, mushrooms, do you not really know, or you got to talk about mushrooms now because mushrooms are just going to start making their way into more beverages. So functional mushrooms with <laughs> five milligrams CBD, five milligrams THC. So is that part of this too? Functional mushrooms are part of this beverage thing. Yeah. I went to a lunch. I went to a lunch party less than a month ago for a company called balanced and they have a new beverage product called the brain booster. 
and it's got ashwagandha, CBD, THC. The the one at the other one, Zen Blend, has reishi, and so they're like, you know, cordyceps are in these mushroom uh, blends, I think, as well. Uh, and I work closely with some of these brands, so I don't have to say they're good, but you know, I do like one more than the other, you know, and it's uh, but if it's a health and wellness drink, it's not necessarily going to taste like the best thing ever. Like it's at some point, if you have mushrooms in your drink, it needs to be real. Uh, but the cool thing is these are at home consumption products. So if you want to blend it, if you want to sweeten it up, uh, I went to first Avenue this summer, right? I went and saw killer Mike and I went with my buddy, Jordan, and he and I went and I went to the bar and I'll tell this story kind of quick because this is a beverage story. So I go, I'm like, Hey, do you have the blah, blah, blah? Cause I could kind of see it, but I wasn't sure. And she's like, yeah, I have the blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, okay. Um, I, I asked if I could get a cup of ice with it because these beverages just out of the shelf off the shelf are just, they're seltzers. They're, you know, whatever. And she's like, yeah. And also people put grenadine in it sometimes, but I can't pour it in there because it's, I have to serve it to you in this can. So she poured grenadine into my ice cup. And then I took the ice cup and made a little cocktail with it. I came back like a half hour later, the killer Mike hadn't started. And uh, I just, I fucking ordered a shot of tequila. And then I poured uh, that myself. She didn't know that I did that, but like, that's where consumption is quietly is like five milligrams maybe some alcohol you know at home consumption is really the only place you should be doing that because first avenue can be liable and that will get more strict i'm sure because right now you're seeing it at co-ops grocery stores gas stations all anywhere and everywhere you can find beverage i mean even at my co-working space i just keep keep it in the fridge for people but the so key anyway, is the key that it's no more than five milligrams of THC per serving and 50 milligrams per package. Am I remembering that correctly? Like if you bought a six pack or something or whatever. Yeah. And for beverages, it's 10 milligrams per oh. serving. Oh, so cool. that big, that big beer from mm -hmm. 2022 is not, it's not allowed in 2023. So it got tightened up. So yeah. it'll get there with rec. It'll get up to a hundred, I think. Um, but you can buy, you can buy pretzels and stuff with 50 milligrams. You can't get um, beverages at 50 milligrams anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Well, so it that... is, it's training wheels. It's still a little bit of cannabis training wheels. It's not like we're fully caught up to you. Yeah. Well, at this point, right. Uh, I feel so. So let's move past the drinks unless there's something else that we haven't discussed i don't want to just jump to legalization just yet is there anything else we haven't discussed with drinks and and kind of how things evolved with that it um i'm throwing i'm throwing these events where there's a speakeasy and we're having events inside the speakeasy and there's no alcohol being served it's just cannabis beverages and it's just 21 plus and i'm able to throw these events without a cannabis license right now because there there aren't licenses available yet but we will plan on getting a license to continue to throw these types of events in minnesota 
Fuck yeah. That's 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 what's up. Um whoops, I meant to display this web page. Oh, it's still not displaying. It's displaying your Instagram. Hold on a second. Oh, let Let's... me let me show can I share a video before we move off? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just sharing this headline from NPR Illinois. This is what I read when you guys did it. So I think it's just funny to see for history. Minnesota lawmakers voted to legalize THC edibles. Some did it accidentally. So I think that's fair. Not all, but some. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh you should be able to share. Go right on ahead, my friend. All right. So I kind of took over this co-working space. I rent I rent an office. And uh the first thing I asked them when I called them in December was, Are you guys cannabis friendly? And the lady kind of paused and thought about it and kind of told me that she, they're not against cannabis and fast forward like four months i threw the first can of connect party and then another three months after that we threw this party so check it out um is there sound i want to make sure you're sharing sound too oh it's yeah in the sharing good. settings so if you if oh. you undo your screen share and redo it there should be a checkbox that says like share sound I make this mistake all the time, so I was ready to call you on it. <laughs> I, I got a share screen. Do I click the share screen? Yeah, share screen, and there should be a button that says share sound. See you. Great. Oh, yeah, this sound is epic. Hell, yeah. Take a look at some of the stands today. What is your yeah? So that's Waterwave TV. Your brand, the artist is Calvino. These that's guys came cool. through and they they did interviews and the interview with Jesse Ventura. Maybe we can get back to that one. That's the yeah. only other. Uh, yeah, we got to watch. On. We got to watch Jesse Ventura's speech before legalization as well. I just wanted to point out though, if you saw me get excited. I saw a flyer in that video that said free Christian Riker. I've interviewed his mom and uh, I wanted to just tell Illinois right now that I'm on Christian's call list. So for the first time, I might be getting a call from prison. Oh, wait, no, it's not the first time. I'm joking. It's the first time um, <laughs> I'll be getting a call from Christian and hopefully we'll be able to talk about uh, his case. But respect for for giving them a platform there. So, and I had to bring up the name. Anyways, uh, we can move on. Did you want to show Jesse's speech at your event first, or did you want to look at uh, the pre-legalization speech, or or did you have other thoughts on what our next topics? Shout out, yeah, shout out to Freedom Grow. They were they were representing, and yeah, let's go into Jesse's uh, pre-legalization speech. Cool. I've actually got that pulled up, so I can share it right now so let's let's watch it folks this should have gone viral i mean it 
I saw it, but I feel like it should have gotten more attention. This is great. Folks, strap up, listen in. This is brilliant. I want to call uh, Governor, Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura to the desk. And uh, for the record, Governor, you might have to introduce yourself. <laughs> Perhaps spell your name, too. This guy's great. First of all, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it's a thrill for me to be here because I don't think in my four years as governor I ever testified in front of a Senate committee. <laughs> so I'm breaking new ground here. So I hope you'll all bear with me and enjoy it. Now, I do want to set the table a little bit. I could get a little longer than what the two minutes allocates, but I remember when I first became governor and we were driving to an event and I was late and I turned to my security guys. I said, oh, we're going to be late. And my security looked back at me and says, governor, no, you need to understand the rules. The governor's not late. Everyone else is just early. <laughs> <laughs> so having said that, if I go over the two minutes, bear that in mind. Um, I'm, I'm here because I started this. And as governor, I believed in hemp and cannabis back then. I believe in it even more now. And I want to be here. I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. And I want to be here when this passes into law. Because this is accumulation of a vision that I had over 20 years ago. And now it's coming to hopefully fruition, whatever the word is, it's going to happen, hopefully. But I want to tell you two stories why I'm so passionate about cannabis and hemp, and I please want you to listen to them. First story is this. Cannabis saved my life. Let me sink that in. Not me personally, but the 38th First Lady of Minnesota. And if I get choked up a little, bear with me. It was about 10 years ago, First Lady Terry Ventura started suffering from late stage um, seizures, late in life seizures. She was seizing two to three times a week. And these were the type of seizures where you can't do anything but comfort the person, make sure they're breathing, make sure they're not swallowing their tongue, everything like that. Our life was over. We went to the doctors. They put her on four different seizure medicines. First one did not work. First two did not work. Third one did not work. Fourth one did not work. All had bad side effects. In desperation, we broke the law. We drove to Colorado. I have friends there that I met in my home in Mexico. And when we got there, my wife seized in the hotel the night before we got there. When we arrived there, uh, our friends went in. They had the ability. They bought the cannabis, three drops under the tongue, right? My wife took the first three drops under the tongue and has not had a seizure since. None. Marijuana cannabis stopped the seizures not our medicine. Now what did we face? I had to break the law. My friends had to send it to me in Minnesota. Well, I kind of took the attitude of Dirty Harry Callahan when I said, well, then the law's wrong. 
because I'm putting my wife ahead of Minnesota law. And I'll admit that today. I did. So we got our, what we needed. Minnesota finally legalized, quote, medical. My wife qualified immediately, got it. But you know what the story is then? Because we're so restrictive, and that's what you're here to change today, hopefully, because it's so restrictive, it cost me $600 a month to keep my wife seizure-free. Insurance won't pay for it. Nobody will pay for what works. They'll pay for what don't work, but they won't pay for what worked. And today, my wife, it's now, because you've expanded, it's down to 300 a month now. If it was Colorado, it would be $50 a month. Why? Because in spirit of true capitalism, when you get more out there, it drives prices down. That's what capitalism's supposed to do, drive prices down. The way you're set up today, you got a monopoly in Minnesota. I don't I'm know. I'm going to go grab some coffee. Whatever, but right if you open up the doors, capitalism will take hold. Prices will go down. I don't want no other family to have to go through what my family went through. I don't want anyone to have to do that. What I went through. My son Tyrell, what was the other thing? Oh, I know. Then here's the other thing. And this is a little off the subject, but it's still going to tie in. You're going to have to come up with an age, right? How old are the people going to be when you approve this? Well, we're going to go back in my life then, 50 years ago. At 18, I went into the United States Navy. 18. I spent one year being trained and became a Navy SEAL. I then deployed to Southeast Asia and Vietnam for a nine-month deployment. While I was in BUDS training, underwater demolition SEAL training, I turned 19. While I was deployed on my first deployment to Vietnam, I turned 20. I returned home. Within one week, I went into my executive officer and I demanded to go back to Vietnam. He looked at me and said, but you just got home, you can't do that. He said, Navy requirements, you've got to be six months out of the combat zone before you can go back in. Then he asked the question, what is the problem? And I said, here's the problem, sir. I said, over there I'm a man, here I'm a child. I had done all of that, nine months came back and I could not drink a beer on Orange Avenue because I was under 21. I couldn't even vote for who sent me to Vietnam because voting was 21 then. I wasn't old enough. What did I learn from that? Gee, I guess we send children to war, don't we? Isn't that a form of child abuse? I would classify it that. Today I suffer a little post-traumatic stress and it's from that. It's from knowing my country sent a child to war and it still exists today. So pick your age. Are you an adult at 18? It seems to me you should be. If you are able to go kill for your country or be killed for your country, and you're old enough to do that, you ought to be old enough to smoke a joint. You want me at, to this at this point, Republicans were pushing for 25 to wow. be the year Fucking that you could consider cameras, just for context. Thank you. No, thank you for saying that. I wondered why he 
what I think he's about to bring that up or brought that up. So you're an adult and all I'm lecturing you on is this government get consistent. Come up with the age, whatever it is, and then stand by it. Don't have it be 18 here, 21 here. And I've even heard talk of 25 for cannabis. Give me a break. I can tell you this unconditionally. I've behaved far worse on alcohol than I ever have on cannabis. Thank you. Uh, the only bad thing I did on cannabis, I went and saw Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. <laughs> And no, no clapping mem members and uh, no also, clapping, uh, no happiness. Um, I'm just joking. There's, there's more to that clip, folks. He comes back and he asks if anybody has any questions. Um, nobody ends up asking any questions. But go ahead. so, for the interest of the audience, Cole, let me, let me share a clip by following that, and that'll Please. show you. So, before I, before I do, what day, what day is that conference committee from? This was published uh, by the Minnesota Senate Media Services on February 9th, two thousand and twenty-three. Okay, so two nine twenty-three, and then this clip is July twenty-nine. 2023 so we're looking at less than six months later and a, in a large part due to jesse's captive speech i mean i i really paid attention after that speech it transformed my media strategy to be so captivated by governor ventura's passion i saw that and i said more people need to see this. Yeah. So I started clipping and I was using those clips, the same clips that you just played because it's public domain. And I felt that Instagram was a nice way for people to get sound bites from. Right. Our I think that's how I heard from it. Honestly, now that I think of it, I think you are the, then that's what I meant earlier when I said, you know, like, I feel like it was picked up by you. And again, I'm not saying that you're a small outlet or anything, but I figured it would go like, like it would be on, I don't know why I'm saying Tosh.0 because that show's not been on for years, but you know, like something like that, like Stephen Colbert, like, oh, have you, did you see Jesse Ventura fucking laying it down, you know, and like people kind of, because there are comedic parts of that speech where we, there are very serious parts too, but his delivery is just solid. So that was his first one. He did. I mean, he was great. He got more animated on the second one, I think, at times, because he is a performer at heart. Sure. Um, and but this clip that I'm going to play now is so authentic, truly. Um, and I'll set the clip up here so people can have a good understanding of, of what's happening. So you can see here, Jesse on the left. On the right here is Andy, who is the beer manager at the brewery that's responsible for cannabis. Everything cannabis at Modest kind of goes through Andy. So Andy's a good filter for their brand, and he's got a lot of experience in beer. And then Ricky is the founder of Waterwave, which is the production here. So uh, Ricky's going around trying all of the beverages at Canna Connect 2. And there are like four, four or five companies. But Jesse happens to walk right over and he's starting to try this new beer 
and this is a 10 milligram beverage, right? So uh, yeah, pay attention. Uh, it says melt, which I could see from your like humor and perspective, like a 10 milligram beverage is really going to melt me. <laughs> so there's just nuances here, but I'll play this clip. Oh, your sound's not on. Oh, maybe. There you go. Oh, yeah. So this is funny. Sorry about that. That's as good as the damn ice drinks I drink from the, from the grocery store, Kowalski's. Yeah, it does like, taste like that. So. Yeah, like it gives like a, like a Moscow mule taste. Yeah, yeah you get that real true ginger. It's got a little now, bit of like... If you drink a whole can of this, what kind of buzz would it give you? Depends on uh, what your daily use is. I mean, we want to, we designed all of our THC beverages to be sessionable, so even as a low dose option. I mean, uh, one girl, they got them too. Yeah. She said it's very much kind of like alcohol. It's a pretty, it's a basic. Well, I mean, where think, the, think the, of more drink, drink, the more you drink, the more you feel. 10 milligrams is your like big double IPA, but you can have a whole one versus our 5 milligram, and when we get into the 4 milligram, 12 ounce. How stoned would you get if you drank like two of these tails? You know, as a daily user, I need like two or three to really like hit my groove. But a lot of people, a lot of feedback. If you're if you're a lighter user anyway, uh, that 10 milligram gauge. I've never used it at all. I, I only vape. There you go. So I mean, did that sound come through on your end? Yeah. Yeah, I love this, dude. You you mind keep playing it? Yeah, this is awesome. Kind of quick uptake and that kind of dosage. Then like these are these are just a nice alternative to a light beer when you're hanging out in the backyard. That stuff was oh my bad. Stuff was good over there. The modest brewing melt was all right, but man, the crooked man. This just is this the guy that does water wave? I fuck with Jeremy. This shit is different. Yeah, that's that's uh Ricky. From waterway if they have like a consignment shop where you can buy and sell sneakers and then in the back they do a podcast um they're they're akin to no jumper in in the minneapolis area um but you know adam 22 is a crazy guy so i don't want to put too much sauce on on waterway <laughs> i was gonna say that sounds fucking nuts um <laughs> in the in the most entertaining way possible i mean um so um i'm just writing down something before i forget it that jesse said that i thought was funny um yeah dude that is pretty wild so what was that like like did you get a chance to chat with him more did he just move on to the next booth or like yeah from what i understand jesse ventura visited every booth at canna connect to and also participated outside the the conference, which, you know, I cannot, uh, cannot speak to what happens outside of the conference, but he was, yeah. he was there. He participated he in activities. Yes. He participated. He was well received and it was mutual. Like, you know, <laughs> you can see in that conversation, like Jesse picked up game at Canna Connect too, right? Like talking to the cannabis sales manager at, at one of the larger breweries for cannabis production in Minneapolis is, good value for him. So he was with his people, uh, shout out to Rob Watson and Tyrell Ventura. But, you know, we, we were so happy to be able to have Jesse at the event and he spoke on a panel, which, um, 
it's more or less the same uh, same type of message that he put out in the conference committee. Uh, but I'll I'll make sure you have that link uh, because the uh, the Bovida cannabis page, so the Bovida Fresh YouTube channel, actually has four hours worth of content from Canna Connect Two. Oh, cool! And so we live streamed four panels, and Jesse was on the second panel, I believe. He was on the two thirty panel, and so. Uh, I was that about was, to say we could we can watch some of it, but it sounds like it's really long. So I don't know if you have. I mean, I'd be far, down for it. I I hope you weren't okay. not showing it because of that. <laughs> That's I guess what I was trying to say. Yeah, let me see if I can jump into a clip here and. Um... Sure, sure, yeah. And if you didn't have anything like off the top, it's totally okay. I was going to say one of the things I can ask you or talk about while you pull that up is um I like actually and I totally understand where he was coming from when he said like beer the more you drink the more you feel it and I don't know that that guy he was talking to it's probably it's easier said than done there's a lot of shit going on I don't know if he heard or maybe understood I, I don't know just based off his response I was like he he was explaining like the dosages and everything but that's actually one of the most convincing things I've heard about why people do like drinks and so I just wanted to kind of dwell on what he said, he, you know, it's kind of, and you even said it a little at the beginning, kind of like, like beer. And just for folks that don't understand what I'm talking about, I want to break it down this way. Like I don't drink beer often. And so I've got like a low tolerance for it. And when I do drink it, I can have like, like when I drink it within three to five minutes, I can feel like my stomach processing that alcohol and I can feel like my sobriety begin to change for lack of better words, like my consciousness begin to change. I don't know if, if I'm what I'm saying, but I can feel that alcohol kick in like pretty quickly. And because of that, it allows you. And I think that's why it's such a popular drug. It, it, you can gauge and use a medical term, titrate uh, your dose. And obviously it's easy to go overboard. Uh, I learned that lesson and we all learned that lesson the hard way. But for the most part with like beer and everything, I think the reason it's a popularly, it's a popular social drink is because it is dosed low enough to where if you just kind of take it easy and sip and, you know, you got some food in your stomach, you're going to be okay. Right. Um, right. And, and I guess like, I'm really excited that I have these drinks from Minnesota because honestly, I don't plan to drink them. Like I've drank a few and they're actually really good, but, uh, I don't plan to drink them because they don't really do anything for me. What I'm excited to do is take them to like, I've got a, uh, one of my buddies has a wedding coming up. Actually, some, one of my buddies is coming by tonight. They don't smoke a lot. So it's like, have a few of these and let me know I, what I'm actually trying to figure out tonight. If like what he's saying is true, like, cause these people don't smoke a lot and they want to take it easy. They don't want to go overboard. So I, this is my pitch. Like here's a can take it easy, you know? Um, so I, I'm a marketing guy, so when you say take it easy, I start to think like T-I-E. And these and these beverages are more <laughs> for like ties. Got like, you know, yeah. we're not gonna call them Chads or Brads. We're gonna call them like T ties, like guys that are sure. more formal, guys that mm -hmm. are more used to alcohol culture. And right. Uh, I was talking to a DJ Lowe, uh, shout out to DJ Lowe, and I and he's a wedding DJ. And so now I'm starting to think just naturally I'm having these conversations around, well, could the wedding events and venues and industry except hemp derived low dose edibles and beverages i know you can have can of friendly weddings but not to beat the 
the same thing over into the ground, but it's like, these are federally legal. Why wouldn't they be allowed at weddings? Why wouldn't people be able to have some cannabis beverages instead of Bud Light, instead right. of three three one two beer? Um, like, like, I don't want to steer us back to that, but I just think, again, like I'm going to illustrate the size of the market. The realization that's happening in Minnesota that is coming through the prism of beverages, consumer packaged products, CPG, consumer packaged goods, consumer packaged beverages. Alcohol is so synonymous with having a good time for you to have a couple of beverages on deck. I fucking love that. I love that. And you're hitting it perfectly. That is the acceptable use case to keep some around. It's not fire nugs. It's not smell this bud. It's like, hey, I have something casual, easy, take it easy, slow it down, put it on ice, dilute try it, it a little bit. Just try it out. You know? So easy. <laughs> very little risk. Very little risk. Yeah. Versus this, this, this person that's coming over tonight, his girlfriend literally never smokes. And this one time I gave her a cookie. You have to understand the way I make my cookies is like I throw like minimum three grams of concentrate in it so it's like three thousand milligrams in a whole pan and i'm talking like per cookie it's a little ridiculous like 200 to 500 milligrams like i remember per... this i remember you you telling me about this two years ago yeah yeah and it's like so so my girlfriend makes them like that too and she had some oatmeal cookies and like we gave them a cookie and we're like now you know, take it easy with this. Like literally I'm talking a bite, like a nibble. Like, have mm -hmm. you ever seen that SpongeBob uh, when, uh, when he really is like trying to get Squidward to try the Krabby Patty and it's like teeth come out, you know, just takes the smallest little nibble. I'm like, do that folks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. I hope, I hope you do. But, um, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's like, I bet you can't just eat one as a, it is, as a sweet, as exactly. a sweets lover, as a cookie guy, as a, as a guy who likes to dig into the pan. You can't do that. But with bevies, with bevies, mm -hmm. if you set if you set the ability to be exposed to three milligrams, four right. milligrams, five milligrams, it is a totally different game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say to your point. Yeah, my edibles, I think you could literally categorize as dangerous. Like like you can't just like, eat, yeah, like you say. Yeah. Shout out to homegrown. Shout out to homegrown. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Shout out to homegrown. Well, um, I've my bad on the uh, little tangent there. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up, but in if you have that video queued up, I was going to pause for that because I've got this noted. Um, and just because you mentioned home grow, you can see my tents behind me. Home grow. I've got some seedlings yeah. in this tent and some flowering plants in the other tent behind me. So. All right, we're going to turn it up. We're going to we're going to give Jesse one more look again. He was the star of Canna Connect 2. Canna Connect 3 coming soon, October 29th. Same place, different day. We're throwing a Sunday fun day. It's a uh, kind of like a 2, 8, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Vikings are at the Green Bay Packers. People will be partying. or They'll be drinking at noon, but come enjoy cannabis later on in the afternoon. Hell yeah. Money in Minnesota. And not... not you know, we've always been a great farm state. There is no doubt Minnesota can produce 
corn, we can produce wheat, we can also produce the best cannabis in the world too. There's no doubt we can do that also. Uh, and let me say this, I wanna make an argument. My guy who I consider the greatest expert, you maybe have heard of him, he's a character named Tommy Chong. Well, we all laugh at Tommy, but believe me, Tommy is an exceptionally brilliant man. And one thing Tommy made clear to me, we're making a mistake when we're separating into medical and recreational. Tommy says that's a mistake. The entire plant is medical. And those of us that smoke it for our heads are doing it for mental health. Talk to post-traumatic stress guys. Talk to things like that and you'll find out. So it, it, it should not be divided up into this medical recreational realm that they seem to have done with it. The entire plant is medical, no matter what you're, you're, you choose to use it. Now, what I'm on the medical list. I get it from Minnesota. Why and for what? I'll tell you for what. I get it because I have non-specific neuropathy of the feet. Anybody know what that is? That means your feet are numb and they can't tell you why. I go down to the Mayo Clinic. You got non-specific neuropathy of the feet. Really? Well, 33% they told me of all neuropathies are that. You're numb and they can't tell you why. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you get it like I do in the feet, I had to quit surfing. If you watch me walk now, you can't believe how much you need to feel your feet till you can't feel them. Then all of a sudden it dawns on you how much you need to feel them. Well, cannabis makes it, my feet tingle, I get all these shots in the nerves. Cannabis at night makes it so I can sleep. It dulls it down. It makes it so I get full night's sleep. And, and I also get it for my own post-traumatic stress. I won't go into that, uh, but it's actually something that we as a country are responsible for. When I went in the Navy, I was sent overseas at age 19, and I did a nine-month tour of Southeast Asia and Vietnam. When I came back to my own country, I wasn't granted the privileges of being an adult. I couldn't vote. I couldn't drink a beer. I couldn't do anything. And I went into my executive officer. I said, I want to go back to Vietnam right now. He said, you can't. you got to be six months out of the combat zone, Navy regs, before you can go back in. He said, what's the problem? I said, sir, the problem's this. I said, I am a man. I'm an adult now. And yet my country is still treating me as a child. And ladies and gentlemen, it hasn't changed. It's still the same today. I'll give you the quick example. We're getting political, but it's yeah, it's getting political. But that's what he does. He's the fucking former governor of Minnesota. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! That's good stuff, man. So I, I appreciate you pulling that up for me because I, I need to clip some of this stuff. Like a lot of these panels from the from the Boveda live live stream are like stuff that I want to use to promote the next event. Yeah, dude, that's history, and there's some good stuff in that, no doubt about it. You know what I mean? So, nuggets, nuggets, dude. So, uh, what do you think Minnesotans need to know about home grow now that you've <laughs> been growing plants for a couple of years? Like, keep it between you and the tent. Like, what are what are some like 
good basic ideas to keep in mind when it comes to growing your own plants at home. Oh, are you talking like technique? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I'm the worst person to ask, but I also don't feel like I'm the best person to ask. Like, I don't consider myself like it's not like I have a like I've only had a few crops not go my way, let's say. Um, but I guess what I always will say is that I feel like people do it better. You know what I mean? But I'm constantly improving. And I guess if I were to give any like quick tip, it would just be to like always be accepting of new information, but also like, you know, don't like attach yourself to it. People like tend to attach, like it's weird. I've seen like, like people get like growing communities can become very contentious about like techniques and everything, just like anything else. Right. I won't be caught dead in a Chevy. Right. You know, like, it's like, I wouldn't be caught dead, uh, doing, I don't know. Hydroponics. Right. Something like that. Or, uh, uh, salt based nutrients. I only grow organic. You know, there's this, there's a whole, and people have, I'm not saying that there's not any validity to any of the arguments. I'm just saying that it can quickly become like, just like every other issue where it's like contentious. So if I could give anybody any, any advice, it'd be to just, Try it out because if you think about it, this is the beginning of humans. I don't mean to say the beginning, but in our in our time, all of us being alive, like I don't know anybody that's old enough to remember a time. I mean, there's a few uh, where you could cultivate cannabis freely, maybe that are still alive. I don't know. But um, I just feel like in America, it's a pretty new thing. So like, just keep that in mind and, and roll with the punches and watch what other people do. Try other people's products and try your own things and try to take notes, document it. Like I've done some grow journals on, and it's, I've only done one actually. And it was really fun though. Like I actually just went back and looked at it the other day and uh, it's just cool to, to document the process. And if you're trying to improve on it, you know, again, again, it's like, similar to how this was our first foray into politics Mm -hmm. for some of us. This is your first foray into growing a plant. Uh, This is your definitely your first time trying to grow medicine. Mm -hmm. So if you start to grow medicine and you start to realize hemp is food, cannabis is medicine, we are circulating ideas around growing your own food and in our agricultural driven states like Illinois and Minnesota, we need to push more towards that. Yeah. I would say if I were to give like, uh, again, that I got a little bit long-winded. What I was really trying to say there to put it in a bottle is just be accepting of new information. Like you say, this is a learning experience. And I think that was a really good relation to like politics, just how, you know, just how you started learning the ropes with like what legalization means and how you go through the whole process, like kind of do that with growing too. Like, figure it out. Just do, you know, talk to other people, see what other people are doing, try to pave your own path, you know, yeah. try to, you know, realistically give yourself feedback on whether or not it's working. But again, if I could just put, give a short, like actual tip just in terms of like, uh, you know, trying to be safe, I guess is like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that you would actually like hurt yourself. I want to be very clear before I even start this, but just like, Think about what you're putting into your plant plant. And uh, I contacted my local water treatment center, like the people that treat my water, the water that goes to my house. And I'm like, do you use chlorine or chloramine? And it's not that I know. uh, It's like, it's not like that. I like know the real difference between those two substances. But what I can tell you on face value that I do know about those substances is that chlorine 
will evaporate from your water within 24 hours. So you can like pour it into a pitcher, let your water stand. And then more or less, it's like, okay, from what I understand. Um, But there are some water treatment facilities, depending on where you live, that will use chloramine and that will not leave your water. And you actually have to use like, you can like treat it somehow. Um, So I don't know, just, just be mindful. I'm not saying that anything would come from that, but you know, yeah. think about like Flint, Michigan, for example. Like if you're listening and you're from Flint, Michigan, maybe it's not the best idea to use your water. And I know that might sound insensitive, but like they haven't fixed that yet. I'm not sure that they fixed that in Flint. You know, it's still another an issue in other communities, but that's the one that went viral. So yeah, pay attention to your water. I mean, I have good water quality in my town, but I went ahead and took the step up and got a reverse osmosis machine. So like I actually have to add I don't know if it's calcium or magnesium, but I use CalMag uh, to my water because it filters it down so much to, from what I understand, the reverse osmosis water doesn't have like any calcium or magnesium in the water. And the one of those is crucial for plants. I don't know which one. I'm not, again, I'm, I don't know all the answers, but uh, just a basic tip. Like I say, just check out your water, like ask the people that treat your water and tell like it's. What's our water like? If you can test your water, there's easy ways to test your water. I don't know. Just think about what you're putting into it. My last thought is growweedeasy.com. That helped me. It sounds cheesy, but it had like a lot of good, it had a lot of different techniques and a lot of good information. And that's what I liked. I was able to like kind of choose what might work for me. You know, what did I, what do I really want to do? How much effort do I want to put in? You know, what do I have? Don't reinvent the weed. Right. So I mean, yeah, again, I just want to say I'm not the best person to ask. I think about growing. There are people that like, like, I'm just thinking of somebody from Illinois. He, and he travels to all states. Maybe you know him. I think his name is Jordan and he does Growcast. Um, he travels like a lot. Like I've seen him in all different states. So maybe we hook you up and, but he, he would be the guy that could probably come to Canna Connect and he is an expert on growing from what I gather. And, uh, so yeah, Growcast. Check that out. He's a super cool dude, and he's been on the show in the past. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So sorry um, if I didn't give you the best answer. I know it was a little long. No, you gave. You did. You did. So maybe you've seen this now, but I've partnered with the Minnesota Cannabis College, and they have yeah, a relationship with Clement Dabney, who's a PhD from the University of Minnesota, and so monthly we're having home grow classes. Sweet. And we're bringing like 30 to 40, 50 people into uh, a lounge. There's a speakeasy and then there's a movie theater room and we use it as a presentation area. We're going to get a podium. That's that's our goal in the next 30 days is to get a podium for Clement so that he can speak from a, cl- a nice podium. Uh, he deserves it. Yeah, so, so he- Makes uh, it feel like a lecture. <laughs> from Doc Dabs. Hell yeah. So cloning 101, how to make your own super soil. Our next class is breeding 101. And then drying and curing. Followed by December 4th, December 2nd. It's like the first Sunday. It'd be so fun for you to come to one of these. We've got rosin for christmas so we're going to invite people to bring in two, up to two ounces 
into the wilderness, which is our venue, which is legal. So you can travel with two ounces in Minnesota. And then we'll provide presses. And it's pressing your own Christmas green, which you then have up to eight grams for extract. And that's the legal amount of extract you can have with you at any time publicly. So How much? we want it eight grams. Nice. That kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like Colorado though. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They, they borrowed from Colorado. So I don't know. We haven't even launched that course yet, but basically we're going to empower the home grower to make rosin in a community environment. That's so at, cool. At a class. And that then you really can cool. give, you can gift it as a, as a mm -hmm. Christmas present. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope as hell. Well, um, yeah, let's talk about legalization. What does legalization mean? And well, sorry, sorry. Did you have more to say about that event? Like any, did you already plug the date? And so that people would. Uh, Minnesota Cannabis College, mncannabiscollege.org. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they've got books, PDFs. It's a platform. Uh, really want to drive people, even if you're out of state, to look at the Minnesota Cannabis College and you'll get a really good understanding of where Minnesota is at literally right now because they're providing resources to consumers, to brands, to dispensaries. I don't know. I kind of, I don't like to call Minnesota shops dispensaries, but Minnesota shops are calling themselves dispensaries to sort of get ahead of the trend. So from a retail perspective, you're seeing more and more people refer to themselves as dispensers. They're not wrong. Let me first say that. But not everyone that calls himself a dispensary right now will actually become a dispensary. Right. And that's I, the, and I don't mean to, to get us back to the question I was just about to ask, but that is part of your plan on legalization. Correct. You can grow immediately you can possess immediately but there are not any retail stores until later is that correct that's incorrect cole and i'm proud to say that oh. we had a dispensary open up on august 1st on sovereign land in the uh, the white earth nation wow so the, i don't even really i i kind of feel like i know what that means but does that mean like, like a native america like on, on like so you said yes. so so sovereign land yes cannabis dispensary minnesota but but on the onset was i was i correct like okay it's not correct today but the reason i wanted to make that point is because that's the correct way to do it like it, it doesn't mm. have it doesn't have to be that weed becomes legal when the storefronts are open and i feel like that's sometimes it feels like the approach for states like even illinois for example like we, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm working on the history right now, but yeah, like it's like we passed it into law, but it wasn't legal for you to possess 30 grams until midnight on January 1st. And it's like, hold the fuck on. Like, what, why? It should be like effective immediately. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as the governor signs it. But yes, yes. And that's right. to, to wrap up my point. I'm sorry, I'm high. Uh, <laughs> To wrap up my point, it sounds like that's how you did it. It's like, no, we're not going to wait until retail fronts open. Everybody can possess now. They can grow yeah. now. Yeah. And we'll figure out retail fronts. It sounds like you've 
well, this, you're displaying right now. Is this is the one on sovereign land? Yeah. So this is this was the first one. I got the name incorrect. It's well, I wouldn't expect you to get it correct. Native care, I expect to get that part correct, but holy crap, the subline. Yeah. Is but is that what you were talking about? The the main name? <laughs> Native yeah, care. The, no, Red Lake Nation. We can call them Red Lake Nation. Okay. They they were a medical dispensary previous to opening on August 1st. So they transitioned from medical to adult use pretty quickly because they're not held to the same laws as most people are, you know? So there, there's a, a cutout for them because they're on sovereign land. So they, they operate okay. through a federal treaty, a federal pact. And so then they have a compact with the state of Minnesota, with the governor. And so there's, there's certain cutouts and carve outs that allow them to operate differently. And they were able to go from, uh, August 1st onwards, and they had a little bit of lime. Um, they've got some flour here. Should we check it out? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Actually, you know what? Stop doing that because <laughs> last time I showed menus like this, Patreon was weird about it. But um, uh, yeah. yeah, people get the point. I mean, uh, but what I was going to say, sorry, I didn't mean to. I was just worried because Patreon, it's like I showed, I can talk about this, but I can't show it. I showed that cookies is selling THCA flour now mail order, which I think is, it's just continuing this little trend of minor cannabinoids, which we'll get back to that topic later. But like, um, I think we should go till four thirty. We should go like another half hour. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, uh, I was going to say, um, Hmm. Where, what, Oh, you, you were just, uh, that, I was just going to say quickly about that dispensary that opened. That's such an interesting mixture of like, what, so it's it's a carve out from state law, but there's also federal stuff involved in it. And I that's it's kind of interesting because federally it's illegal. So it's like what? But it's cool. I'm not knocking it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and we don't have to get into this too, but I think it's fascinating to see so much happening in the cannabis industry right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Such a great time to be involved. And we're going to see opportunities that we never would have imagined. And it's already changed people's lives. I mean, what I miss out on, and a lot of people don't hear it, and unfortunately, it's some of the lowest paid people in the industry that hear the success stories of CBD working by patients, by people coming in. And, you know, if I'm going to call them patients, then it's okay to call them dispensaries. Like, CBD regardless, like, I had lunch today with two folks who wholesale distribute into retail stores and they have retail background. And she just went on and on about how many times she looked things up and researched things and found out, found the right answer for these people in suburbs around the Twin Cities that sought out CBD for their medicine, for their pain. And so for native care to go from a medical dispensary to a rec dispensary. And keep in mind, they're four and a half hours away from where I am right now. So they are way up there by Canada. Mm -hmm. But it's going to revolutionize. It's going to, it's going to reinvigorate, reinvigorate their community. It's now some form of tourism, just even the gas station next to it. Like, People are going to eat more burritos from that, from that place. Oh, yeah. 
So is this the only one you're saying that's open right now? Well, no, there is also another one, White Earth Nation, which is not far from there, uh, similar distance away. Mm-hmm. And the big, the big rumor and the big discussion is when will the ones that are on more thoroughways or closer to the Twin Cities, when will those tribes get into the game? And yeah. there's there's rumors that uh, the largest tribe in the Twin Cities could be opening in 2023, but guaranteed that the Native Americans in Minnesota that want to participate in the cannabis industry will get a full leg up in 2024. So the the dispensaries that are going to be on sovereign land are going to be viewed a lot more per, uh, preferred than rise. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, and so, you know, rise is in Minnesota now. Mm. And then, and then there's green goods, which is Minnesota based, but used to be called Minnesota medical solutions used to be called Vireo Hell. They got popped for moving cannabis over state lines between Minnesota and New York and, that's you know, pretty major. <laughs> got their wrist slapped basically by the attorney general. Like they don't play by the rules. They're drug traffickers, just like just like people that are locked up are. And uh Minnesota is just gonna adopt these Indian reservation location dispensaries. And for good reason, we should be pouring money back into these native communities pouring money back yeah and there hasn't been a way to do it outside of gambling which doesn't right. appeal to me yeah yeah or i'd liquor much rather give tobacco. 60 <laughs> yeah i'd much rather give 60 dollars to a dispensary than a casino yeah um well that's that's interesting i did not even realize that that was at all a part of your approach but there's a there are rise dispensaries in minnesota yes they are on the rise they're on the rise so what's what aside from the native native the the native land like idea which is super cool Mm. what kind of companies those are are, those are medical oh they're medical only thank you for distinguishing i was gonna say the prices were kind of high at some of the menus i just looked at um you know so so but maybe that's to jesse's point about the medical is kind of a monopoly or is that not related? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, The medical duopoly as it's known, there's two companies that were given Minnesota licenses. One was connected to Bachman's Bachman's is like a floral garden home store. That family has been around for generations. They were one of the first licenses to be awarded. And then there was a doctor from the Minnesota University of Minnesota by the name of Kyle Kingsley, who created a company called Vireo. And it's been a publicly traded weed stock for years. Um, You know, the state governor in 2014 who created the medical program didn't give it enough attention, didn't make it a priority, didn't ask for more. And so we passed like a butt medical program. I mean, it, it ranked in the lowest states for years and years and years. So 
flour is relatively new. And when flour got passed through the legislature, the Chicago based companies started looking at the licenses and seeing, oh, there's some money here now that we don't have to make extracts and pills. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how much we want to talk about those companies. I just know the, I just hear the bad things from you more or less. And then you, <laughs> you see it in the news sometimes, but people are dying at these facilities. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. I mean, there have been, I think, uh, two, there's the number is non zero of deaths at GTI facilities. I reported on one and then. I think the young jerks have reported on another. We also reported on it, but it, they broke the story. Yeah, um, I've seen two. Yeah. So, and and ours, you know, I, at least, you know, some people shared it, but it was not reported by any major outlets. And I, GTI, a spokesperson for GTI did confirm it for me. I don't think she'll ever speak with me again because of what I said to her, but, and I should, you know, whatever. We won't go there. But uh, so, it's not like I said anything know, mean, but I was just like, yeah. you know, it was an interesting situation so where i'm at with this is it's a new market the people that are wanting the people that have jobs there are from what i hear from them are growing good cannabis and you can look at it from a lens of like the, they're trying to get ahead they're trying to get experience yeah it's it's even more justified now that rec is coming it's here in some ways as we've acknowledged and so i find it kind of a moral dilemma more than any other time. Like I don't judge. <laughs> I mean, my brother worked at Apple for a year, you know, like, you know, we don't look at like, I don't know. Sometimes we shed so much scrutiny on our own, on the things we love. Yeah. Like cannab cannabis. And it's hard because I don't, I don't think we need to have that conversation, but I battle with that internally. Like how do I represent this industry when there's good people who I speak to on occasion in the industry that work for these companies, they're not inherently bad people. It's not like right. they own, well, it's not like they own the company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think that, like you say, I mean, I get it. I, I, uh, I get it now and it's more clear than ever, you know, like um, I've got a quote from, you know, Ben Kovler in May 8th, 2020, the green rush where, he was talking about Illinois' law, and he said, I read that Governor Quinn signed a law in 2013 for the medical cannabis pilot program. I read the law, and it looked a lot to me like the gaming industry, where there were limited licenses for a lot of demand, and that setup has a nice business opportunity. So I dove in a diligent project to study as much as I could about the industry and decided that the business made sense to invest in. And then along the way, I've learned a ton about the project and the people and other things. But this is the part that this is just like, I get what he's saying. And like, I think you're going to get it too. You can just see like why it's a, it is truly a moral dilemma. You, you put it very eloquently. He says the core of the brand matters. So Fiji water gets major pricing protection around that brand. And we can do the same thing in cannabis. And we think that's where you invest. So do that. Yeah. I have no fault Ben with you doing that. It just, it. It does bother me that they lobby against, so they lobby for limited programs and lobby against more open programs. And inherently, you could argue, or as a result, you could argue, they are 
almost perpetuating the continued criminalization of cannabis because that is the answer by the way like if you don't fit into these systems if you don't have a license you go to jail and it's like well hey wait a minute i thought we legalized it should it just be like a business offense instead of like a criminal offense you know like um so so yeah like i say i don't I think that it's Ben and I lobbying. probably would get along. It's the, it's the fucking <laughs> lobbying of right. the government. It's all the politics that goes behind it. I truly think that if Ben came on the show, we'd get along. And I think he'd get where I'm coming from. And I think I would, I do understand where he's coming from. Like we've even talked to several licensees in Illinois and they just don't invest in markets that have a lot of competition. Cause why would you like, you invest in the ones that have limited competition because then you know what your market share is and that it's guaranteed to you. Like it, it's just business. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, it's so I, I thank you for like help, like allowing me to say that. Cause I don't mean to like, I don't mean to like sit here and be like, these people are evil and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's business. You know what I mean? Um, and on the, and on the opposite hand, it's the reason why, we're having this conversation is like because they are able to provide jobs mm -hmm. therefore they're a business it allows them to work their way around even though they're doing things that are deceitful or disadvantaged the hemp farmers here and like the guys the cowboys and the pirates that i'm talking about are like they hate the medical marijuana lobbyists here and it's it's every time I hop on Facebook, it's like it's the new, you know, the medical lobbyists are the new Obama, you know, for that uncle that hated Obama. You know, it's like, yeah, that's what it is. It's the lobbying interests. And again, here it is. It's looking at cannabis as like a single issue voter. Understanding, yeah. though, with context, lobbying takes place throughout all of the areas that affect our government. Right. And cannabis happens to affect every single aspect of our government. That's why it went through 13 conference committees or 26 conference committees between the House and the Senate. Like, it got its... And, you know, the Democrats held on to the football so that the Republicans couldn't rip it out of them from a sports sense. But they did, the Democrats did take it through all the conference committees. It just happened that they had a majority in both the House and the Senate, which is why we're here, which is why we're so excited. And it's why we're making more money than ever. And uh, I guess I had one question off that. How many licenses exist in the Illinois market right now? Is it quantifiable? Yeah, let's say let's say 20 major cultivation licenses. So those are from the original market. And like the last number I saw was that six of them were producing 70% of the product out of the 20, six of them are producing 70% of the product, right? That was the last number I saw. It's changed since then. There have been craft cultivation license issued, but the question is how many are operational? I've heard about three and there've been like, I think maybe a hundred issued. You know, so it's not that like there are licenses that have been issued, but the number of cultivators is super low. Home grow, you know, is illegal for most adults. It's only legal for medical patients. And so it's just the perfect recipe to keep prices high. 
perfect recipe. And, and as Ben said, that's why he's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a moat around his competition, you know, and it's it's perfect. Like I say, that's that's why they point to Illinois as being the model state, you know, and and they do. They they say Illinois is the model state, and Oklahoma and Oregon and these places that just issued a bunch of licenses are failures because. You see, the metric of success for legalization is whether or not people are making money, apparently. I thought it was if people were going to jail, you know, like I thought that was the metric for success. Like, are people going to jail? Yes. Okay, well, then we're not doing good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are people going to jail? No. Oh, sounds like we're doing good. Sounds like legalization is doing good. But again, that's not, it seems like that's not the point of legal. Uh, in fact, I even just spoke to a, a lawyer who described it just as you did earlier. He said, it's an interesting moral question. These companies oppose the continued decriminalization of cannabis because they see it as cutting into their profit margin. You keep small amounts legal so that people have to keep coming back to your limited number of stores, right? It's it's really sinister. I, I want to be mindful of our time. Um, I I've, got to... a clip. I've got a clip that I kind of want to play. It's yeah. really passionate really passionate about it. Um, Absolutely. Let me see if I can play the last minute of it, because that might be, you know, that might be the most captivating aspect of it. Perfect. Uh, I'll, I'll intro it as well. Uh, guy by the name of Mike. I love, I love Mike's. I know so many Mike's. I'm in that era of Mike. I should, and when you were like, yeah, there's about 20, and then there's like three cultivators of the craft, and I'm like, oh, 23, all right. Duh, of course, Illinois has 23 <laughs> licenses or whatever. So uh, Mike and his wife are partner. They are business partners. They're life partners. They are operating this like innovative, unique retail outlet where they're really controlling the products that are coming in, making sure that there's good quality, that testing, that they understand the supply chain. And then they're also franchising this business so that you can operate a store and kind of pull from their vetted brands. Um, and it's a very low entry into the franchise model. So Mike's looking to expand this across the Midwest. Uh, so I'll plug Natrium Hemp Wellness. And I'm going to share kind of last minute. Let's just dive in. It's Ricky from Waterway. It's Mike and Mel from Natrium. This will be my last call. How, how does that process work for your company? Well, what we encourage people to do first is just come in and just be honest. You know, uh, talk to us about what's going on. We like to start from ground zero. So if you can work from A to Z, that's ideal. Um, we don't always encourage THC right away. We like to qualify people into the cannabinoid, uh, minor cannabinoid market first. And then, you know, THC, when it comes to minor cannabinoids, it's kind of like um, if you've got a Honda, and you add 98 octane to an engine, right? It's like it's like that supercharge, you know? Um, so we, we stay back from the THC first and, and then we'll add it later on uh, when it comes to formulations. But aren't, those aren't the only things that I encourage. I mean, I'll, I'll also tell people, get into jujitsu, get into some kind of combative sport, right? Yeah.
be active. Use your, uh, brain. use your brain. You know, read all those things. So that there's also a coaching aspect outside of just the cannabinoid aspect. When you say, or? Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I mean the whole lazy stoner aspect. I feel like that's a, a dated um, way to look at it. Uh, we're kind of you know smart stoners these days. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, let, remind them one more time, company name, where they can contact you if they are seeking any help. Yeah, so we're in St. Louis Park. Uh, the, the address is 4815 Excelsior Boulevard. And uh, the phone number? 952-405-8181. Oh, and one more thing. Um, to the MSOs that are planning to invade uh, Minnesota, no quarter. <laughs> Respect. Respect. Yes. That's Shout that's pretty well. dope. Well, hey, I wanted to wrap up our conversation. I know uh, you said you wanted oh. to go to four thirty, so I'll. Uh, I wanted to wrap it up with uh, minor cannabinoids. If you're cool, um, I thought that'd be cool to talk about. Um, Only if we do them in ten milligram increments. Yes. Right. It sounds like you might have the same the same like. Uh, uh, attitude as me about it but i wanted to ask you you called it the scary stuff earlier do you believe that or is that just easier to explain that to people because people are scared of it right now because I, I i was gonna say i just like i hate that people are calling it scary stuff now <laughs> yeah yeah i was being facetious okay cool 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 i love cbg i love lion's mane i think if people can address brain inflammation like your life, it's your life expectancy should rise if your brain is less inflamed, for example. Yeah. So CBG is amazing. Um, I'll tell you what I'm taking right now for nighttime. I'm taking the future compounds tri-blend. That's a CBD, CBG, CBN. And I'm dropping in at like 500 milligrams, which is like uh, three droppers. If future compounds sees this, I want them to know that their droppers don't fill all the way up to one milliliter. And you guys are better than that. Um, and so that tincture bottle is a four ounce bottle. So feel free to do some calculations here. It's a four ounce bottle. It has a 25,000 milligram total. And it's blended to be dominant CBD dominant CBG and then very light CBN, like a 442 hmm. blend, something like that. And so 80% of it is CBD, CBG, and like less than 20% of it is CBN. So where I start with minor cannabinoids is the ones that are approved by the state of Minnesota. And uh, CB, CBG and CBN do wonders for me when they're paired with the CBD. And it's yeah. a full spectrum. It's a full spectrum product. Yeah. So, yeah. How, how do people of... feel about the Minnesota being stupid and making uh, certain cannabinoids illegal? Dude, I have to tell you this. I don't think. Do people know. like? Are people upset about it? Can I ask yeah. you that? Do they disagree? I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you why they're upset. Because there's a ten percent sales tax on CBD products. No, but hold on. Like, I the first time I ever heard of Delta Eight was in a licensed cannabis dispensary in Illinois. They said, do you want to try this Delta 8 product? And then, that was like years before it was ever like a big thing. CBG, CBN, THCA. You know, I remember people, the THCA, I learned about that in a dispensary. And it's like, these are 
we all like, we all acknowledged there's all these cannabinoids. And it's like, yeah. why are we now making some of them illegal? That's just crazy to me. Well, if if we want to get this right, then the state of Minnesota needs to actually crack down on the smoke shops that are still selling Delta 8 products that are still putting up Delta 8 in their window. And if the good operating manufacturers, brands and retailers are not selling Delta 8, then they need to crack down on the tobacco stores that still have Delta 8 in those fucking catalogs by these major distributors because you can still find those products in stores in Minnesota, but they're off the beaten path. And so there's a divide between the state of Minnesota is not doing enough. There's people that want to operate in good faith and follow the law because there's enough eyeballs on them. They're actually competing in the industry. And then there's the smoke shops that are adjacent in a sense, ordering from national catalogs or just unconcerned and continuing to carry Delta V. Yeah, I think the only problem with Delta A is that maybe if you want to say that it's not tested, but I, I that's the only problem. If if that's if that's what your contention is, then I guess if everybody wants if you want everybody to play by the same rules, but I, I just have Delta eight right here. I don't yeah. Two years ago when you talked to me, I was smoking on Delta A. Probably yeah. the same stuff. Um fuck though. Fuck though. Like Delta Ten was cool. Like THCP had me like zoning. Like yeah, THCO in. I've heard about. THCO, the acetate. I yeah. I I love I love the cannabinoid soup. I do. Are people upset that that we've made that they've made it illegal in Minnesota? Because that's fucking crazy. We've not even done that in Illinois. So they what we were going to do in Illinois is just make it so that all of the license only the licensed cultivators could use all the cannabinoids. But we weren't gonna make Delta Eight and all that shit illegal. We were just gonna make it so that only the licensed people can do it. Like that sounds insane that that even the licensed people can't sell de- Delta Eight. Like what? Well, there aren't licensed people yet. Well, fair enough. But but even if there were, you're saying they couldn't. It's only THC and CBD, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's like there's unfair caps on minor cannabinoids that it's so, yeah, it's silly. Prohibit. So it is a testing thing, right? Because it has the reputation, like so many other things that get you a little buzzed, has the wrong reputation, and. It was uncontrollable at the time correct? because even in 2022, when they legalized cannabis accidentally, they didn't have an enforcement behind. And so they are now stepping up enforcement. There's money available through the last legislative session, but they're not nearly there. They don't, they don't have a full office of cannabis management yet. But what we do have is a democratic majority in 2024, 2023 at least, going into the 2024 session, that will allow us to get the things that we did maybe not so great, get those things figured out. Nice. Here's where I'm Which, coming from. If continue, sorry, I was okay. I, have a I mean, the, clip the, up. the other thing though, bro, is if you want to get it, you can find. It. You can order right. it online. Well, that's you get, yes. You can go to Wisconsin. There's there's ways to like get a fuck ton of minor cannabinoids. I'm not going to put it on anyone like, cause I don't shop at smoke shops on the regular, but like, 
There's smoke shops that are following the rules and there's probably smoke shops that aren't following the rules. Right. One of our elected representatives commented on this and he basically just said, look, we've figured out that prohibition doesn't work. So why would we continue doing this? To your point, you know what I mean? People are still going to continue doing it. But here I wanted to play this clip. This is where I'm coming from. Um, Hamilton Morris kind of spoke about this a few years ago, and I really like what he had to say. Um, I'm going to mute you just because somebody back there is being loud. <laughs> Your mic's picking them up. Um, but uh, feel free to unmute yourself. If uh, But um, I'm going to just play this clip. It's uh, like about a minute long and we can wrap it up. So it might be a little bit over a minute. But yeah, here we go. And Leary almost certainly played a role. But I think it's slightly ironic that he's a journalist and didn't really go that deep into the role that journalists played in all of this, which was humongous. You know, journalists are sculptors of public opinion, and it became the standard way of reporting on any of these things to say that they're bad, to sensationalize it, and to not have any consideration for what that would do. Because any time a journalist writes some scare story, they can really mess with drug policy in a serious way. It might seem like nothing, like, oh, there's a bunch of people in Brooklyn and they overdosed on some obscure synthetic cannabinoid, AMB Fubinica. Who cares about AMB Fubinica? No big deal. I'll say that it turns people into zombies. And if it gets thrown into Schedule 1, who cares? Not a big deal. Well, that's a very short-sighted way of thinking about all of this, because that's exactly what happened with psychedelics. And then we're not learning from the mistakes of the past, that just because something it's fun to sensationalize and talk about how dangerous it is at this moment doesn't mean that 10 years from now we're going to recognize that it has serious therapeutic potential and we made a big mistake outlawing it. And I think a lot of that also comes from this sort of us versus them mentality that people have where it's cannabis is good, synthetic cannabinoids are bad. Well, synthetic cannabinoids don't have to be bad for cannabis to be good. Cannabis can be good without something else being bad to counterbalance it. You don't need to hate something to justify your love of cannabis. And this whole hatred of synthetic cannabinoids, I think, is totally misdirected because these are products of prohibition that most people wouldn't even want to use in the first place. And when they do use them, they don't know what they're taking. They don't know what dose they're consuming. And so, of course, they're having bad experiences. That would happen with almost any drug, caffeine included, if people just consumed enormous unmeasured doses without having any idea what they were getting into. And so I think just to wrap up that clip, I think that's where people might have a valid case. If if people are taking an enormous unmeasured doses, like people have purported and it's like, whoa, and it's causing a huge issue. Okay, maybe we add some more testing and regulation to like a a threshold, but it just seems like making certain cannabinoids like we it seems like we're it's weird. I've I've seen like certain people be like Delta eight sucks. I would never smoke or I would never use Delta eight. And I'm like, come on, I'm sure Delta eight's pretty fun in certain doses. Like you just gotta be like, take the right dose. You know what I mean? Like any cannabinoid though. That's the thing. That's the way I feel about it. But, um, sorry, you're muted. Uh, shout out to Harrison, uh, or to Hamilton. Yeah. Morris. And, uh, man, I'd recognize that old studio anywhere. <laughs> Those oh, yeah. there. They, they had some, some good memories. conversations. Good conversations <laughs> on this in that platform. Oh, oh yeah. boy. So, I think we had to slow down to speed up. I think that's where we'll find ourselves. Yeah. You know, all politicians, legislators, they're they're trying to keep the peace for years and years. And Delta Eight was too accessible for 
minors. And now you have to be 21 to buy these products. And you didn't have, you didn't used to have to be 20. So they've enforced that. And I, my hope is that we see a resurgence and I'm okay if it's even on the medical side, as long as there's more medical licenses that come on. Because anyone who's knowledgeable and selling products legally right now should have an opportunity to, to sell medical grade products. Um, if that's what they want to do. And if you're going to sell a medical grade product, you're going to put more than 25 milligrams of CBD in. So let's just keep it, let's keep it a hundred, you know, pun intended, if we're going to call <laughs> these me medical products. Yeah. Speaking of Hamilton, I just have to do this. Uh, I ran into him at the psychedelic science. It was insane. Um, this I, is, I, uh, I, I remember seeing that when you, when you met him. So Sam Bannister is, is next to me and he was the reason I ended up going out and having lunch with Hamilton because, uh, Samuel is actually one of the only living individuals that has a set of cannabinoids that bear his initials. He, I believe kicked off the synthetic cannabinoid revolution. Like he, he made one of the first synthetic cannabinoids. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, I know that we wanted to wrap up around now. So, um, thank you, uh, Stephen, for your time today and, uh, we should do this again. And I'd love to come up there. Like you, you asked, we should definitely make that happen. And, um, any parting words? Yeah, I think we can definitely learn from each other. Um, things are moving fast here and it's fun and I'd love to get people up here. I, you're not like the perfect Minnesota consumer, uh, because you're advanced. But you I'm should, sure we could still have some fun. <laughs> you, should, you should. Yeah. If I can pull off the event that I'm in my dreams, like I'm trying to bring like a Disneyland feel to Canna Connect 3. We want to have 420 people at Canna Connect 3 uh, costume party. So if you want to get wild and crazy over Halloween weekend, you and your girlfriend should drive up, uh, take Monday off and be home by Halloween night. So October twenty ninth. Dude, I would love to show you around. October 29th, you said? Mm -hmm. Sunday fun day. Sweet. Sweet. Well folks, look up uh Canna Connect MN um and you can connect with them on social media and everything else. Steven, thank you again uh for your time this afternoon. Folks, I hope you found as much value as I did in this conversation. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.